I'd like to welcome everyone to the Florence Weinberg Show. Frank McKay here. So much more importantly, the author of 16 books, the 17th on its way, which is her memoir. Dr. Florence Weinberg is our host each and every week. She's the subject of a documentary and uh, so many things, a long radio series prior to becoming her own host of uh, this radio show and podcast. Dr. Florence Weinberg, how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you very much. I hope you are, too. Uh, I am. And, uh, you know, we were having an interesting conversation off mic. And, um, uh, you know, it's uh, it's interesting when you when you think of Texas, you don't think of uh, usually anything that, to do with wildlife ref- rescue or you don't think of, uh, you know, marine animals being uh, rescued or anything along those lines. But uh, you, you gave an interesting um, take on something that uh, that you heard on TPR. Is that right? Like uh, NPR, that's the NPR of Texas? Is that Texas NPR? Yeah, that's right. It's, uh, it's NPR only with the Texas flavor to it. Yes. Yeah. Well, I wasn't say it's, I, I imagine uh, that you get things that are, uh, that are moderate-leaning or left-leaning uh, from there, and, and when you think of Texas, you usually think to the right, but anytime you think of conservation or or help for for nature, uh, somehow you know I I think uh, you know middle of the road people or to the left. Uh, I don't know if that's a uh, if that's an accurate uh, assumption, but um, uh, thank God somebody's doing it. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, Austin, our capital city, uh, houses our legislature, which is one of the most right-wing legislatures in the country, uh, along with our right-wing uh, governor. Uh, but uh, the city itself is one of the most liberal cities in the country. So you have a contradiction there. There are a lot of liberals uh, in, in Texas, oddly enough, uh, as the public might think. Um, but uh, there they are, and so far they're certainly not in the majority. That's the problem. So we uh, we reelected um, Greg Abbott for our governor this last time, uh, who still cannot bring himself to say the word gun uh, when he's speaking of, um, of mass murder. Uh, but anyway, that's not our subject for the day. Yeah. Uh, I was listening to TPR, and the um, one of the uh, features, this was day before yesterday, I believe, uh, was uh, talking about the Texas State Aquarium, which has one, one branch of it is uh, the Texas Rescue Center. And it is a, a place where people can bring injured animals of all kinds. Right now, they are not accepting birds, and I think nobody in the country, none of the rescue centers in the rest of the country are accepting birds because wild birds carry the avian flu. And the avian flu uh, has killed thousands, hundreds of thousands of chickens. And chickens uh, produce our eggs, and eggs have become very pricey because we don't have that many hens laying because so many have died. So no no birds are accepted. No injured birds are accepted, which is a pity for the birds, I must say. But then so is the flu. So, uh, and they don't know what, 
what to do to cure that flu either, apparently. It's nope. a deadly disease, and it is, uh, it's the equivalent to uh, COVID-19 among birds. I, I, I think it's going to—I hate to say this. I don't want to sound like the prophet of doom, but I think that's going to get worse before it gets better, unfortunately. Yeah. Yes, unfortunately. But uh, other, all other animals are uh, accepted and, if possible— uh, um, tended to if they have open injuries they are uh, they are treated uh, just the way a human being would be and rehabilitated and, and returned to the wild if possible and some of them are some of them survive but they are so badly injured they can't be returned to the wild and if they are aquatic animals then they will be um, housed in the aquarium uh, I'm going to talk to you about the aquarium first, and then I'll give a, uh, a story, uh, which I think is very uh, poignant, uh, about what happened during the terrible freeze that Texas had uh, in February of 2021. Um, the sea turtles. And it turned out that we have huge numbers of sea turtles in the Gulf, and they were um, they were almost all um, in a state of shock and in comas because they cannot move and function if their body temperature falls below fifty degrees Fahrenheit. And the seawater was below 50 degrees, if you can imagine, in the Gulf of Mexico wow. during that freeze. And so there were thousands and thousands of turtles who were uh, dying out there because they couldn't breathe, um, because their noses, they are air breathers, and their noses were underwater, and they were, they were uh, unconscious. So anyway, I'll get back to that. But first of all, I want to talk about the uh, the aquarium because I think it is one of the finest education facilities that we have about uh, about uh, the Gulf, which is part of the oceans, the system of oceans uh, on this planet, uh, which we usually don't give a second thought to. But uh, the Texas State Aquarium uh, gives us a, a glimpse of what we have in the Gulf in the way of, uh, of wild animals and an amazing variety of species. And the, um, the aquarium is located in Corpus Christi on the Gulf, uh, very close to the downtown district, the convention center, and the museums and all the rest of, of uh, the facilities. For, for tourists and for education in Corpus Christi. And there are thousands of animals there uh, representing 500 different species that are displayed so you can see them up close, nose to nose sometimes. Uh, and it helps remind uh, all of us that we are responsible to the animals in the wor world we share. Um, the, the aquarium is an accredited member of the AZA, which is the Association of Zoos and Aquariums, and it's a member of the World Association of Zoos and Aquariums, and it's rated as number four 
the uh, the aquariums in this country are are uh, rated for their efficiency and and uh, number of species and quality of uh, exhibitions and so on and uh, so we rate number four which I think is pretty pretty good very good because of course uh, the eastern seaboard is very long and there are lots of aquariums along the sea there and the same thing goes for California Oregon and uh, Washington State but here we are and so I'll uh, I will talk about what uh, what's on exhibit there because the the Gulf uh, aquatic life is well represented and first of all uh, they have an exhibit called the blue hole which is an underwater deep cavern that's reproduced with its representative uh, creatures and they have a platform for you to look down into the blue hole and it gives you a peek from up above to see how uh, how teeming is the life uh, in in the deeps the uh, the very uh, deep holes that exist in the Gulf and it's dark and mysterious and there are amazing creatures uh, there is a, a type of shark for instance that has a a pole projecting from its its nose and then there's a line and a light <laughs> mm. and this this is a self-generated light uh, that shines in the darkness and lures other fish to come close to it so that it can just open its mouth and <laughs> and devour the fish <laughs> and so nature has uh, uh, has created these amazing animals uh, tarpon is another one and uh, uh, they all swim in these darker spaces, and a lot of them lie on the on the floor of the uh, deep cavern and shuffle along the uh, the bottom on the sandy uh, surface there, or they hide among the rocks uh, and for protection or in order to catch a passing fish. So uh, that's the blue hole, and then there's the the contrast is the coral reef because uh, the Gulf has a barrier reef. Uh, it's off the coast of the Sian Khan Biosphere Reserve and I don't really know where that is but uh, you, in this particular exhibit you see the true splendor of the coral reef. You've got fish of every possible color and pattern and they are lively, and they dance and dart in the in the crystal water, uh, and they hide among brilliant uh, and strangely shaped corals. Uh, and so it is a most stimulating exhibit, beautiful, uh, with angelfish and butterfly fish, parrotfish, grunts, and other brilliantly colored species that can be found in, in this paradise, which exists also in the Gulf. And not, not to forget dolphins. We also have dolphins, and they are pretty much universal. I remember seeing, uh, I don't know whether they're called flocks or herds, 
or what they're called, but groups of dolphins when I was uh, going all the way from uh, Vancouver Island to the Panama Canal and through the canal. And these herds of dolphins would accompany the ship. And I was on a freighter, so uh, not on a, uh, a tour boat, a tour, tour ship. Uh, the freighter had a much closer view of the marine species. But uh, anyway, these wonderful dolphins would play and leap out of the water and turn somersaults. And they were generally uh, lovely and playful creatures. Uh, and uh, the Dolphin Bay uh, exhibit houses rescued dolphins who are too impaired to live in the open sea. And they are their ambassadors, really, uh, to the, uh, the, the ones still out there in the wild to help us all be aware of the threats that these, uh, these marine mammals uh, face in the Gulf of Mexico and beyond, of course. So you learn how, about nets that entrap these animals, fishing lines that catch them, pollution that, uh, that can poison them and cause diseases uh, and other harmful human uh, activities, uh, such as dumping plastics, which do, they don't ever go away entirely, but they, uh, they decay into tiny, tiny particles uh, that the fish eat, and if the fish are consumed by the dolphins, then the dolphins have uh, the piles of these uh, uh, plastic particles in their stomachs and intestines, which never seem to get excreted, and so they will ultimately die uh, of that kind of pollution. And so this exhibit, we see the injured dolphins that are still playful, and they'll still come up and touch your nose on the other side of the glass if they think you are curious or interesting enough, because they are curious animals, yeah. very intelligent. So uh, this is one way that we have helped uh, rescued animals by at least giving them some kind of a life. Uh, in a very nice exhibit with plenty of room. Mm. And then they, the, another one is, uh, is an interesting one because it is instructive, particularly to kids. And at this point, I'd like to say that I think parents should certainly take their children to the, uh, to the aquarium because kids have no idea how animals develop uh, and especially the strange ones that live in the sea. And this exhibit uh, shows seahorses and jellyfish, uh, how they uh, are born and how they mature in various stages of that process. Uh, so uh, you have various birth and growth cycles of uh, moon jellies and cuttlefish and bamboo shark eggs and that sort of thing, and you can examine it all uh, through a microsco microscope um, and uh, uh, get an education on uh, how fragile sea life is, really. But uh, this particular aquatic nursery is also very useful for other aquaria, I guess that's a fancy 
plural for aquariums, yeah. <laughs> uh, for other aquariums, um, because uh, uh, Texas um, ships um, the uh, the young of these various species to other aquariums that don't have them, and so we are supplying other uh, other people with a, an important exhibit and important information for the public. And then we have uh, an exhibit called Saving Sharks. And I, this might sound odd because sharks have been portrayed as mindless, uh, as man-eaters, um, ma- mindless devourers of human flesh. <laughs> but, uh, but they are not mindless at all. No. But they certainly are devourers. And... Uh, Actually, we're the biggest threat to sharks. Uh, their populations have been reduced as much as 90% My God. due to overfishing because uh, a lot of the time, shark fins, uh, a shark will be caught and its main fin, which is on its back, is sliced off and then the shark is returned to the sea where it dies because it can't navigate anymore without that fin. So it starves to death. So uh, we not only do we eat the whole shark, but we also just simply slaughter them for their fins. Uh, and of course, they too uh, are subject to death by marine debris and climate change. Uh, so they need protection, uh, just like all the other species. So uh, the exhibit. Uh, the exhibit includes a life-size great white shark replica and uh, the jaws of a prehistoric megalodon, uh, which is huge enough that a man can stand upright inside the open mouth. And it's very impressive. Uh, And it includes a full-size diving cage so you uh, you can get down among them. And, uh, and watch them um, on their level. Uh, so that is, uh, uh, oh, and by the way, uh, the, uh, the aquarium uh, sponsors a, real, a real-time exhibit via, oh, it's called O-C-E-A-R-C-H, O-Search, is a global shark tracker. So you can... Uh, you can know what sharks are actually doing in the wild, those who have been caught and tagged, because you can tag a shark. And uh, uh, at the uh, touch pool, there's a touch pool, too, where you can touch uh, a live shark if it'll come close enough. And, of course, there are animals with tentacles, and there's an exhibit called Tentacles, which is uh, fairly dark, but it has uh, it is a showcase of the ocean's deep depths squid and octopus it doesn't penetrate i'm sorry i said right. squid and octopus probably mostly squid and octopus exactly uh, and so you can get up close and look at these unusual beasties uh, and even you can uh, apparently touch them in uh, in one place in one area uh, and there are several species of jellyfish also that are lit, so you can see uh, these these uh, creatures 
uh, more clearly. They're floating phantoms, but you can see them. Uh, and, of course, if you see them, you can avoid being stung. But uh, uh, and there is a touch pool, a, a moon, moon, it's called a moon jelly touch pool, where you can pet the, uh, uh, the jellyfish and learn more about uh, their various uh, sizes, shapes, colors, and, uh, and habits. And uh, the star of the show is the giant Pacific octopus, of course, that's not native to the Gulf. But it is a highly intelligent creature that changes colors, and it stretches out all eight uh, arms uh, during a daily uh, a daily session with trainers. I'm not sure what the trainers are doing with this octopus, <laughs> but probably getting it to exercise a little bit, um, and so so as to keep its muscles strong and healthy. Uh, and it is to um, also, this particular exhibit is uh, to make us more conscious of marine debris, like plastic bags and bottles. Uh, and um, since when plastic begins to break down, uh, monofilament, it's called, it looks similar to je jellyfish. And a, a plastic bag floating in the water would look like a jellyfish. And uh, so... Um, so eating uh, this kind of debris uh, can uh, can kill an animal because they can't excrete uh, what they have taken in. And so uh, uh, kids coming into the exhibit are impressed in various ways and in various exhibits about what... Uh, what sort of devastation uh, our debris that we carelessly dump into the sea uh, is causing. And then we have otters in the aquarium also uh, with uh, realistic plants and realistic background scenery and several uh, swimming areas and a slide. <laughs> uh, and otters have uh, every opportunity to get wet and wild and can be seen from multiple perspectives, and often uh, they're performing graceful underwater maneuvers, um, and trainees uh, interact with the otters and uh, provide them with, with entertainment, really, to teach them to, to keep them physically fit and psychologically fit as well. Uh, so... Um, there are devices uh, to keep them mentally uh, alert, like puzzles, palm fronds, coconuts, frisbees. I thought that was that was cute. And, yeah. uh, the otters can play with frisbees <laughs> <laughs> to encourage them their uh, natural as well as their learned behaviors. And there are three of them apparently named Merlin, Arthur, and Fisher. Uh, <laughs> who um, solve problems and make decisions. And uh, uh, so, as I say, keep them active, uh, both mentally and physically. So uh, the exhibit that, uh, that intrigued me most, because it has a, an interesting story attached to it, is the one called Tortuga K. 
uh, which is the turtle exhibit. There are seven species of sea turtle in that exhibit uh, that are found in the Gulf of Mexico, and that's Kemp's Ridley, and I'm sure that's a familiar uh, name to you, Kemp's yep. Ridley, the green turtle, the loggerhead, and those are the three most frequent, frequently seen. Then there's the hawk's bill and the leatherback, and every one of those species is threatened or endangered under the Endangered Species Act. But um, they, uh, Tortuga Cay uh, houses five rescued sea turtles that were too badly damaged to survive in the wild. And they are reminders of the, that catastrophe that I've mentioned before when Texas temperatures fell below freezing, a lot be below freezing and the seawater Fahrenheit dropped into the 30s, if you can imagine that. Wow. And that's the Gulf. Yeah. Usually a temperature, water temperature around 70. So the sea turtle's body temperature, which is regulated by outside weather temperature, um, reacts because they don't uh, regulate, their bodies do not regulate their internal heat. So when the outside temperature falls below 50 degrees, the turtles become lethargic and they can't swim. And it's called turtle shock, of course. Hmm. And if they're left without help for a long period, they will certainly die. So during our deep freeze two Februarys ago, thousands of people, uh, uh, their own homes, by the way, without heat or running water, fanned out along the shore and found injured and dying turtles. And they hauled them in to the aquarium's rescue center in, uh, in any way they could, maybe in a wheelbarrow or in car trunks or pickup beds or uh, on larger flatbeds, uh, one, two, ten, eighty, one hundred at a time. So the center was swamped with around 4,800 uh, 4, turtles. Can you imagine? Oh, my God. And there are pictures of this. Um, a football-sized area with a roof over it somewhere uh, in the aquarium. The floor of that was covered entirely with turtles. Mm. And, Amazing. And there was no heat at the time uh, to, uh, to heat them up, but at least they could breathe. Um, yeah. Because obviously they were not uh, in the water with their noses uh, under underwater. So um, the inside water temperature was around 45 degrees, uh, I'm told. And so as many as could be fit into a, a pool with uh, of 45 degrees were put into the pool to get warm at least uh, that much. But it was not enough for them to come out of the coma. And even if heat had been uh, available, heated pools, uh, sudden heating would kill the shock turtles because uh, they would have to be brought out of it very slowly. Uh, so they would put in one batch and then bring them up to 45 degrees and then another batch. And uh, so people were working, teams of people were working day and night and uh, 
not only were they in shock, they were many of them were wounded. Uh, they were wounded by hooks or propeller cuts, uh, collisions with uh, with boats in various ways, others with blunt force damage. Uh, and these were separated so veterinarians could save the ones that were not too badly damaged or mangled. Hmm. So when the power was at last restored and the pools were warmed uh, to successively higher temperatures, uh, they were uh, warmed up to 55 degrees and they began uh, to move their limbs and try to swim um, and move around on a flat surface. Uh, And masses and masses were carried down to the beach uh, after uh, the Gulf water uh, rose above freezing. And, and certainly above 50 degrees, uh, and they were allowed to crawl out into Gulf waters. So uh, several several hundred shock turtles uh, were rescued this past December, and that was what was being told on TPR, uh, how people were bringing in shock turtles this last December, when temperatures again were uh, in the water were below 50. So this program on TPR was, of course, uh, broadcast out of the Texas uh, State Aquarium. And so our naturalists in Texas um, are to be thanked for their efforts to educate the public. And I then volunteer to, uh, to help them along, even though my listeners are mainly uh, on the other side of the country, but it doesn't matter because you probably have uh, an aquarium nearby that you could support financially, or just simply to take your kids there. And I do, yeah. Uh, we uh, it, uh, the uh, Atlantis um, Long Island uh, Aquarium, which is uh, just excellent. Uh huh. Great. Very good, uh, and not very far away. No, it's uh, about fifteen minutes from my house. Wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. Uh, and uh, so uh, I'm sure you also have a rehab center, a rescue center for uh, yep. injured um, <coughs> sea, sea animals and sea birds, which are probably not being accepted right now. And it's uh, my purpose in doing this today is simply um, to remind us all of our responsibilities to protect our fellow creatures and that. Uh, it definitely includes the creatures in the water. Uh, so all creatures that inhabit this planet of ours. And I don't know how we can stop uh, trash companies from dumping their trash into our seas uh, and oceans, which is a major threat, not just to aquatic wildlife, but to all of us. Because if we kill off our animals... We kill off food source, to be crass about it, uh, and um, we simply degrade our life altogether if we dump trash in the ocean. We have to treat it differently. Recycle is one thing, uh, which is actually not being done uh, to the extent that we we believed it was uh, when we began recycling plastic because most of it is simply being dumped in the in the ocean to this very day 
Anyway, I have spoken my piece about the uh, local aquarium, and which is typical, I'm sure, of um, most of the large aquar- aquaria aquariums that belong to the AZA. Uh, so, um, so take your kids. Yeah. Go yourself to see the exhibit uh, that's right near you. Yeah, no, no question about it. Uh, one thing I want to uh, comment on too is is the sea turtles eat uh, a tr- for a tremendous part of their diet a jellyfish and yes. plastic bags um, in the in the water are, are very hard to differentiate between a jellyfish and and a plastic bag. So what happens is the the sea turtle as they start moving towards what they think is a jellyfish they'll they'll eat and they'll ingest a uh a uh, a, a plastic bag and unlike the jellyfish that dissolves in their in their system uh they can't dissolve it and what they'll do is they'll uh, ultimately suffocate and it kills these uh, these b- amazing animals you know these sea turtles uh, on a high level so what we've done in where I live on Long Island, and we're an island, so you know it's it's a big issue, is uh, is we've gone away from plastic bags completely, and it's only paper bags or um, you, you know like a uh, like a sturdy bag where you have to pay for it, and it was very controversial in the beginning. People were like we got to pay for bags or we can't have plastic bags, uh, but it is a it is a first step. My my son, my youngest son. Um, his uh, he was on part of a robotics team, and these kids were real intellectuals. You know, the, the young kids. They came in second in the country, in um, in a national uh, competition, and um, and one of their projects that they developed is they invented a plastic bag that uh, dissolves after uh, I think three or four days. In the water, and especially in seawater, it, it uh, accelerates. So, um, if a if a turtle happens to eat this um, uh, this bag, it dissolves inside of it, so it doesn't choke. Which I thought was a pretty good idea, and uh, you know, it was checked out by the you know by the uh, big boys, by the um, uh, you know, scientists out there, and they they said, "Yeah, this is excellent. This is a great idea." I don't know how practical um, it is, or how how interested any of the business people are, but you know, the more we put um, uh, some attention onto uh, onto taking care of our own mess and and getting away from the the plastic mess. Uh, someone someone said, and you could respond to this, Doc. I think we spoke about it in the past. That there was a mass of plastic, or there at least there was a mass of plastic in the ocean, uh, the size of Texas, the size of your state. Um, yes. You know, if you think about it, that's a, uh, uh, you know, it's a tremendous, um, uh, you know, magnet, I guess, you know, of plastic. It just keeps collecting itself, you know, and getting larger and larger and larger. And uh, I don't know if they're, they figured out a way to break it up or if some wise uh, entrepreneur is going to figure out a way to um, uh, to recycle that plastic. Uh, but from what I understand, and I think you, you have a little information on this, what you did at one point, um, 
you know, wherever this mass of plastic is, um, if we can get it, if we can get it, uh, you know, recycled or get it out, um, it could, it could uh, solve a lot of problems that we've been having. Absolutely, and uh, that is in the area that was once called the Sargasso Sea, uh, where the, the various currents in the ocean um, cause a sort of um, very sluggish world, uh, um, well, a whirlwind, <laughs> whirl water um, uh, confirmation there, and that whatever happens to be floating will will remain in that center area uh, and accumulate, and that's what has happened with, uh, with plastic. Um, and yes, uh, it is an enormous area, and it, it just goes to show that uh, any country that, it, that borders on the Atlantic Ocean or on the Pacific, either one, um, will dump its debris into the sea, and as I say, it's, the sea seas have been treated like large uh, toilet bowls, yeah. and you just dump something in there, and uh, and you think it's going to disappear. Well, it doesn't. Sorry. Um, and there are, uh, I know of at least one, <laughs> and I hope there are more, but there is at least one company that is dedicated to go out and uh, and uh, chip away at at that mass of plastic, and. Uh, pick out what can be recycled and is, is uh, doing so. And, of course, it's making its money on selling the recycled uh, plastic back to companies that are using plastic to make uh, chairs, patio chairs and whatnot. Um, uh, but anyway, the, uh, the only solution is, uh, is truly to recycle uh, plastic. It can be done, but it's expensive, and it is uh, it is complex. Uh, um, and so, for those two reasons, nobody wants to be bothered doing it. But our oceans certainly depend on it. And I have belonged to uh, the Cousteau Society for many, many years, uh, for probably decades. Uh, and I have joined the Ocean Conservancy uh, in the last decade. Uh, so I'm supporting both of those charities um, and urge other people to do the same thing. Uh, but I think more importantly still is not to use plastic bags. And if you do, um, make sure that they are taken to a responsible recycling outfit. Um, I am skeptical about about recycling plastic bags. I just don't think it's being done. Uh, so I think most of it is uh, is indeed going into the ocean, even now. And that really depresses me, but uh, I'm hoping to raise people's conscience so that people can prove protest and ask and maybe uh, ask legislatures to pass uh, laws to prevent uh, plastic companies that, pro that produce plastic bags uh, from uh, from doing so, at least to to turn to the ones that are uh, biodegradable. Um, we here in San Antonio uh, are still uh, putting groceries in plastic bags, mostly. Uh, we do have uh, paper bags available, and some of our grocery stores are... Uh, 
routinely using the paper rather than plastic. Uh, and one of the pet stores as well. So it's something that people are conscious of and simply are not doing anything, mostly, are not doing anything about. So uh, it is an ongoing problem and an ongoing peril for our sea creatures. Yeah, I, I think at the end of the day that we're going to find that the best way to uh, combat a problem is to nip it in the bud in the in the beginning and uh, and and try to prevent that problem from uh, from starting in the first place and that would come back to what you just said about biodegradable um, uh, material being used and and recycling and everything else I go far out of my way to to recycle and um, I'm more diligent than my my town is and my I have a very large town that I live in, 537,000 people, and uh, it's I think the second biggest town in the in the country. Uh, and they, you know, they try, they they do some things, but um, you know, there there's all these rumors that the when we separate our plastic from the rest of our waste, that it all ends up in the same place anyway. Um, yeah. Now I don't know that to be true. Do you know that to be true? Uh, I hear the same rumors. Um, I'm afraid it is. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, yeah, because it's the same rumor all over the country, and certainly I've heard it here, uh, that no matter how carefully, and I'm very careful. I, I have uh, a paper a bin for paper and cardboard and, uh, and two bi- other bins, one for glass and metal and another for, for plastic. And I'm very careful to... Uh, separate all of that, uh, but as, I, as you say, once I have put it into the, uh, the city does collect it here in San Antonio. So we have a, re, a recycle program, a citywide uh, recycle program and pickup for the, uh, for the recycled goods here, or bads, <laughs> right. but, but I, I hear that it's just all dumped anyway onto a barge and taken out to see and, and, and dumped. <laughs> wow. That's something else. Amazing. And, you know, we, uh, uh, we, we go through our due, uh, due diligence to separate the garbage yeah. and, uh, and work on it. And uh, for them to put it all in the same place or to dump it in the water is very, very disheartening. Uh, I hope yes, that's false, but um, we yes, do hear that all my, over the place. My cousin who lives in Albuquerque um, just dumps uh, kitchen garbage and and everything else um, paper metal and plastic into the same uh, uh, bin or bucket or whatever and the city just uh, picks up picks up that dreadful mixture and depo- I suppose they deposit it in the desert somewhere uh, which I think is better it's terrible but it's at least better than putting it in the ocean yeah or, I wonder what. Or they, in the Gulf. Yeah. I know there was some talk about st- shooting it all into space at one point. I'm not sure that's the greatest idea either. Um, right. I'm, I'm not sure we have a brilliant idea on garbage, other than recycling it. And yeah. Uh, and yeah, uh, our city has uh, San Antonio uh, picks up uh, kitchen garbage along with anything else that's. Uh, Vegetable, so so all of the scraps you're uh, 
uh, your grass when you mow your lawn and uh, uh, if you trim your hedge and all all of that goes into the uh, uh, into one bin and that is picked up weekly and we have a massive uh, compost heap here in the city that you can go and pick up finished compost for your your garden there uh, so at least the city is as enlightened as it can be under under the circumstances that that, that prevail right now yeah. and, and I'm proud of the city for that yeah, you have a but, good city you have a well-run city yes we do yes we do we have a good mayor and uh, uh, and uh, generally speaking I mean we have a, a mixed bag of, uh, of city council members but somehow good policies seem to be coming out of it as far as the environment is concerned. Mm. Uh, listen, great job as always, Doc. Um, as we uh, as we move on, we'll, uh, I'm sure we'll be touching on, on more of these subjects, but great job and great subject, wonderful. And, uh, and kudos to uh, uh, the uh, TPR. It sounds like they do a good job there. NPR all over the country does a very good job. Of bringing yes. us information, yeah, I'm I'm a big supporter and a financial supporter too. Yeah, me too. too. Yeah, and my wife and I, uh, you know, have passed that on to our kids, and our kids have um, embraced NPR um, uh, tremendously, and and they try to give back. Uh, anyway, Doc, thank you very much. Yes, you're very welcome, and uh, I hope we have uh, uh, good. Uh, we have done some good to. <laughs> Uh, to enlighten listeners to uh, what's going on as far as our environment is concerned, our aquatic environment at least. Yeah. Well, well I should add too. I I think I I think a group of dolphins is called a pod of dolphins, a pod. And I I I looked that up and I. Yes, yes, yes. That's right. Thank yeah. you. Yes, that's right. All right. All right, everyone. <laughs> Thank you. Of dolphins. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's all right. Well, they knew what you meant. And a pot of dolphins, and I don't know how they come up. A murder of crows, I know that. A murder of crows. Yeah, I of guess they resemble peas in, in yeah. a Yeah, yeah, right. But uh, anyway, Doc, thank you very much. And to all of you listening, uh, we know you have a lot of choices uh, and a lot of options. We we thank you very much for making us one of yours, Frank McKay. Uh, thanking everyone, and we'll talk to all of you next time on the Florence Weinberg Show. Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you next time on The Florence Weinberg Show.